0: Hello, church family, I wanted to practice social distancing before I I shared my message, but then I thought about it, there's nobody here to social distance from, so I want to remove this so that we can jump into our message today. Hello, church family, I'm Pastor Joseph Oliver, I'm the senior high youth pastor here at Allegheny Center Alliance Church, and it's an honor and privilege to be able to come before you to bring some bread, uh, a, a nourishing message from God's word. And I want to say thanks to the, the pastor leadership staff of our church um, for giving this opportunity um, to share God's word with you. I invite you to join me on this journey through the scriptures this, today as we continue our exploration of the book of Genesis. For the last nine chapters, hopefully you have read through and listened to the messages that reveal the story of Abraham to this point. The journey of Abraham thus far reminds me of a modern day soap opera or telenovela. I could give his life a title like Days of Our Lives or the Once Young and Restless or the Old and the Beautiful. If you're not sure of what these are uh, youngsters, you can please ask your parents or grandparents about what these these titles mean because they're familiar soap operas. But nonetheless, through these last nine chapters, like in a soap opera, we have witnessed people moving from place to place. Deception has shown up, despair has shown up, doubt has appeared, infidelity, children out of wedlock, death, and so much more. The difference between a soap opera and the scriptures are this. In a soap opera, the characters are playing a role. They go back to their lives after they record the show. The other difference is with, with, with a soap opera is that there's a producer, a director, an editor that ultimately finalize and bring a final product. But with the scriptures, these characters are living their story. And the producer, the director, and the editor is the greatest author of all time. Today we find ourselves in chapter 21 where the author, God, fulfills the promise he shared with Abraham and Sarah a number of chapters ago. As God has been directing their lives, their stories being written in a way that reveals to people then and now the importance of faith and dependence on God. God shows us this in verse 1 of the chapter in 21, and it says this, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. From this verse, I entitled today's message, The Promise Keeper. And this title goes along with this, that God's words are his promises. He is faithful to fulfill his promises. And as we continue in our journey through the scriptures, we will see how God's promises are revealed, how his people respond, and also how we should respond. But before we go any further, would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your, your, my friends, my family, God, your family that is spread throughout this city, throughout this county, throughout this state, throughout this world, that are here to hear your message, wherever they are. God, know we might be at a distance. God, we're never distant from you. And God, through this message this morning, God, we just ask you by the power of your Holy Spirit to not only just empower me to proclaim your message, but God, you would fill your people with a fresh anointing of your spirit. That God, as your scriptures are being, being read, as your truth is being proclaimed, God, that people would see, experience, encounter you in a very real way. So God, transform us today. Renew us today, afresh us in our spirit and in our lives, God, of why it's so important to know you and to love you. We honor you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord reveal something to you today that draws you into a deeper relationship with him. As we read through the Holy Scriptures, we learn the hand of God is at work in so many ways. God's connection with people seems surreal. God reveals himself. He speaks, directs, initiates what he does in the lives of people. When it comes to his promises, sometimes God is overlooked because the focus is solely on the promise. We find this in the previous chapters when God doesn't fulfill his promises in our timing the way that we want And really, in the way that Abraham wanted to happen, there's a tendency to try to run ahead of God, take matters into our own hands. And there's so many times where the the questioning and the doubting of God's timing hinders people from focusing on the promise more than on the promise keeper. And we see that in the life of Abraham and Sarah, and I'm pretty sure we can see that in our own lives. But as, as I go through these next few points, about this message today, may you keep your focus on the promise keeper. One of the very first ways God shows us he is the promise keeper, he reminds us God's promises are fulfilled in his timing. God is not in a hurry. His focus is on his perfect plan. Verse two says, Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time God Had promised him. At any point in time in the life of Abraham and Sarah, God could have fulfilled his promise to them. God could have fulfilled his promise to to them when they were first married. He could have fulfilled his promise to them right after they left Egypt. He could have fulfilled his promise for them before or after they rescued Lot. God could have fulfilled his promise of a son while he was dealing, while Abraham was dealing with Abimelech. God could have fulfilled his promise of a son even later on in the story, even beyond chapter 21. But nonetheless, it's in God's timing. And this was the perfect time. God's timing is perfect for him, while it doesn't always seem like it is perfect for his people or even for us. God knows exactly what we need and when we need it. As many of you know, you can plan as much as you want, but sometimes pregnancy is unexpected. I don't know how many couples that I've spoken with that said, we're going to wait until we are a certain age. We're going to wait a a couple years in our marriage or in our relationship before we have kids. And as many of you know, and you're probably giggling and laughing, that sometimes during the honeymoon... Nine months later, there's this, this child. Or, or for others, it's a few months into the marriage, and it's like, yeah, we're, we're trying to figure things out. We, you know, we, we got our apartment, and, and now you're expecting. But for, for some others, it's a few more years later. We've built a close relationship. We've grown together. We've had our ups and downs. Hey, and we're pregnant. But for others, it's even later on in the relationship or the marriage. Either way, it's in a timing that is according to God's plan and he's fulfilling his promises through that plan and through you. One commentator puts it this way, since God keeps his promises, however, we know for certain a future completion awaits. The fulfillment may not occur in our lifetime or even in this generation, but it will take place. God's promises are fulfilled in his timing. But there's one thing that God's promises require of us. They require something of the people. And Abraham's life reminds us that God's promises require obedience to what he, God, commands. Abraham gave, in in verses three through four, it says, Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded. Abraham had lived through a roller coaster of a life thus far. He had been awaiting the day of his promised son to be born. It had been approximately 25 years since Abram and Sarah were in Egypt. For 25 years, Abraham and Sarah had their, had heard they are going to have a son. At this moment, 25 years later, this promise came to fruition. And he was ready to be obedient to what God commanded. The right and positive circumcision was not a pleasant one. It was a painful one, according to what God was commanding Abraham to do. And Abraham, as a father alongside the son, witnessed the anguish the son was going through. Through his shedding of blood, Abraham was embracing a covenant relationship with God, not only for himself, yet also for his son. Abraham knew that the fulfilled promise of God for him to have a son was right before him and he wanted to honor God. And one of the ways to honor God in the blessings that we have been given is to respond in obedience. Abraham's obedience to God was God-honoring. When God fulfills promises in our lives, our first response should be one of obedience. Because in that obedience, it reaffirms our commitment to God. As the psalmist says in Psalm 119, verse 2, Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. It is a reminder that there is blessing in our obedience. It makes it even better for us when we are obedient as God continues to fulfill his promises in our lives. Because God's promises require us to be obedient to what he commands. As we continue, point three is this, that the fulfillment of God's promises have momentary and long-term effects. In verse six through seven, it says this, Sarah said, God had brought me laughter. Everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Sarah realized in her old age, this is a funny situation. Abraham, 100 years old. Sarah, 90 years old, when Isaac's born. I don't know about you, this is crazy. And In the time that she was carrying Isaac in the womb, the excitement was building each moment of each day. Each passing day got them closer to the moment when their child would be born. And when he was born, the laughter filled the hearts and minds of Sarah and Abraham because this was truly extraordinary. I think we could laugh as well and we should laugh. In our culture today, especially with modern technology, we see older women give birth to one or multiple children over a certain age and we go that surely is crazy and we believe that it's crazy just like sarah said in her in, in this passage we think that it's unnatural it's impossible and sometimes just downright odd the momentary and long term effects of god's promises uh, fulfilled promises reveal God has the power to do the impossible. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that's in authority and and provision over our life. He can do the impossible. And with our hindsight being the Bible, we have the privilege to look back at so many stories throughout Scripture where God fulfills promises through power in the midst of what seems impossible. We see this when David becomes king. He's anointed as king. How many times could David have been killed by Saul? But God was working to fulfill his promise. I think of Daniel in the lion's den. He had faith in God. He said, God, as I walk into this, I could lose my life, but I gain you. But God, I know that you you will protect me. And, And what does God do? He protects Daniel and his friends in the lion's den but we also see an ultimate promise fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Those promises that were momentary had significant long-term effects. The fulfillment of God's promises remind us of his power in the moment as well as even in the long term. The passage gives us a slightly different perspective as we keep reading. In verses eight through 10, it says this, the child grew and was weaned. And on a day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son. For that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. I believe that from this Section of scripture, the fulfillment of God's promises reveal a heart for or against God. Ishmael, who is now 14 years old, has experienced life with Abraham, Sarah, and his mother, Hagar. He has also witnessed the faithfulness of the almighty God. As he watches the growth of Isaac, the joy of Abraham and Sarah with their son, the envy and jealousy kick in. He himself has taken his attention away from the promise keeper and focused on the promise. Because the promise was for Isaac and not for him. And Ishmael wasn't happy with that. He wanted the attention to be on him. He is the firstborn, and he felt he should be the one to inherit and be included in the promise. But this is a reminder to keep our attention on the promise keeper and the words he shares. God said to Abram in chapter 15, a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. But in chapter 17, God adds something significant. God said to Abraham, as, as for Sarai, your, your wife, you are no longer going to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah." I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. The sounds to God said to Abraham, you'll be a father of many nations. Kings of people will come for her, come from her. Ishmael did not share the sentiments of Abraham and Sarah. In his mocking of Isaac, it revealed his heart was more for himself instead of applauding God for fulfilling his promise. I think this speaks to our attitude when we see someone else in our lives receive a gift, a promotion, an acknowledgement, a reward. We look at the person as if they don't deserve that. And we start going, where's my gift? Where's my promotion? Where's my reward? And as we learn from these scriptures, God promises and blessings look different for everyone, it reveals where our heart is focused. And as we see here, God's fulfilled promises will reveal whether your heart is for or against God. Let's continue in verse 11 and it says, this this is a short, short verse, it says, the matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. If you recall back in chapter 16, Abraham and Sarah took matters into their own hands. By the birth of Ishmael, and as a result, Abraham was now experiencing strife in his life. And this is a reminder for us that disobedience to God always comes with consequences. There are obvious applications for us when we disobey God and become impatient waiting for his provision. Saul lost his throne through impatience and disobedience. Disobedience always has consequences. Sometimes they're immediate. Sometimes they surface later. And sometimes they're enduring. In fact, Ishmael grew into a nation that would become a thorn in Israel's side, even until this day. Abraham could not see the future consequences of his sin when he slept with Hagar leading to the birth of Ishmael in his poor decision to run ahead of God was now becoming clear with the strife in his life. But the good news is, is this. His sin didn't prevent God from fulfilling his ultimate promise. So let's look at verse 12. But God said to him, do not be distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. God affirmed to Abraham that in spite of Abraham's failed attempt to produce a son of promise, God was going to keep his promise. Another reminder that God's promises are fulfilled according to his word. God was on record that he was going to do something amazing through Abraham and Sarah by giving them a son. And through their son, Abraham's descendants would be more than the stars in the sky. God said it would happen, and it happened. And he repeated it to to make sure it was affirmed. Again, throughout scripture, God is on record of holding true to his promises. And one of my favorite sections of scripture is Isaiah. And I love what God does with Isaiah, but I love what he says to him in Isaiah 53. And it says this, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering, familiar with pain. And by his wounds, we are healed. God is on record of holding true to his promises. And he holds true to his promises by sending us his Savior in Jesus Christ. That bore our transgressions. That held us to our iniquity so that we may have peace. As well as reconciliation. And be healed. God holding on to his promises according to his word. Abraham's life thus far reveals a significant tethering that God has to his people. His tethering leads to the revelations of his promises being executed. As I prepared for this message, I was glad I was able to teach, but not happy about this passage. Honestly, for what me and my wife have been through, talking about childbirth is the last thing I want to ever talk about. As I studied and researched and read and developed this message, God was reminding me of how he has been the the ever-giving, ever-living promise keeper in my life. Allow me to share this quick story with you. When my wife was carrying our, our little, big Stella in her womb, the excitement was overwhelming. You start to prepare for the arrival of this child. And you start looking for furniture. You start figuring out paint colors. You start figuring out decorations. You start figuring out clothing and and toys and all the things you need to, to care for a little one. In that February of 2016, my wife found out, man, she's pregnant. We were excited. In the month of March, just a number of weeks later, I started to hear and sense this voice in my spirit saying, Stella's not going to make it. For the next months, I prayed, I petitioned God for months, even every single day, even to the day that Stella passed away in our arms. I honored God. I worshiped God. I lived for him. in that time as we, we sat in the hospital, we'd done all these different things, and, and I was Heartbroken, saddened, filled with sorrow. But there's something that was different about this sorrow. This sorrow led me to joy. And the joy that I had in my spirit, as well as in my life, was the joy because of God. God has constantly reminded me of his faithfulness to fulfill his promises in me. He's done this every single year since Stella has gone. Every year around August, he gives me a dream, a vision, a picture. And what he gave me a few months after Stella passed away, he gave me a dream. I could tell you it was like a movie. There's a little girl running the field, and she's just touching the grass, hands right above it. She's running. She's dancing. I never really see her face. But what I see as he's running, as he's dancing, there's an angelic figure that walks in that's, that looks like a man from behind. And all I, I can't look at him, but all I see is he grabs the hand of my child. And, he, and, I, and I know this is her. And he's just sitting there saying, I have her. He was not only reminding me that he had her, but he's reminding me that he has Me. And he's going to continue to fulfill his promises in and through me as I live in obedience to him. I don't know where you are at today or where you're at in your life, but there's probably some sorrow. There's maybe some pain. There's there saying, God, where are you? Where well, we're talking about this quarantine. We're talking about the separation from our church family. There's probably some pain in the separation. But the thing is that we are to call upon God. To live for Him, to be obedient to what He has called us to do. And watch what He does. This symbol of being committed to the Promise Keeper is that this this consideration to the Promise Keeper is not just when I show up Sunday morning, it's when I wake up every morning. It's not just when I, when I show up to, when, when there's a problem, but when, it, when, when God is my ultimate problem and he's my ultimate problem solver, that's when I go to God because I know that he's gonna fulfill his promise. As I look back, it's a constant reminder that God is powerful. And many have said to me, how can you continue to trust God after this has happened? Because he's been Faithful. I'll be honest, marriage is not the easiest thing to work through or to go through, but I've watched God reconcile my life. I've watched God do miracles in the lives of kids here in this church, families here in this church, families in my life, because they've been committed to the promises of God, as well as the promise keeper first and foremost. His promises require obedience. His promises are gonna be momentarily happenings, effects, results, but they're also going to have long-term effects. Think about your story. Think about what God has done in your life. How many times have you shared your story about when you were young and how was transferred somebody when they were old? And how many times have you gotten older and shared your story and God's story in you has transferred somebody's life that was younger? That's what God does. That's the momentary and the long term. To know and to understand his promises, you have to have a heart for him. Right now, our, our nation, our culture, our world is divided and we're at a bitter wit's end with racial, racial division, hatred, politics, the whole nine. But God's center saying, look, give me your heart and watch me transform your mind. As you, as I, as you give me your, your, your heart, I can transform your land. That's a call to all of us. We need to give God our heart. And as we give him our heart and our heart is focused on him, he starts to transform us. Because he's faithful to his word. God has surely affirmed his credibility to me. Has 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 he shown that he is credible to you? And if he has, this is a moment today, wherever you're at, wherever you are listening to go, God, I recommit my life to you. God, the things that I may have said, the things that I may have shared, the things that I may have done, God, I lay them at Your feet so that God, You continue to transform me, so that people see You in me instead of just seeing me. I don't want—I—I I, I want to be a part of the promise that is being fulfilled, God. I don't want to be outside of Your promises. Because each day I found security in God through all my sorrow, through all my pain. And it's not perfect. It's not a perfect picture. I still fall. I still fall short. I'm still broken. But God is healing me. And what happens each and every single day is I find security in his promises. He is faithful. He is honest. And he is real. Because he is the promise keeper. Fix your eyes not on the promise, but on the promise keeper and watch him fulfill his promises in your life. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, there's nothing more else that I can say except for God, thank you. Thank you for what you have done. God, thank you for what you continue to do and what you're going to do, not only just in my life, but God, in the lives of every individual that will hear your message, not only for this message, but the message of your word, the message of your people. God, draw them nearer to yourself, God. Let us be selfless in God and honoring you and worshiping you and giving thanks to you because God, this life on this side of heaven is more about you, God, than anything else. So God, may your people realize that as they wake up every single morning, as they put their head to bed and everything in between to go, God, you are my number one priority. And God, as you are the number one priority, my heart, my mind, my spirit recognizes what you are doing not only in my life, but in the lives of your people. So God, I pray that by the power of your spirit, you would move mightily in homes, in neighborhoods, in communities, God, because of your promises that still reign true, not only in the past, but God, in the present, as well as they will in the future. God, we give you the glory today, God. We give you the honor and we give you the praise that you deserve in everything we say and do. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.